Hello, everybody. We are back with the Blackwash podcast. We have our cocktails. We are sipping. We hope you have your glasses, too. And it is Christmas Day. We are sitting, actually, in front of the fireplace. It's Christmas evening, and it's been a very different Christmas for us, actually. And we actually thought this would be the perfect time to talk about Black grief. Now, a lot of you guys don't know this, but I recently lost my mother to COVID. And this is the first Christmas that I've experienced without her being there. It fucking sucks. It definitely sucks. But I thought to myself, this is one topic that I believe, as I can only speak for African-American men, that we generally don't like to discuss. We don't like to discuss grief, trauma, mental health issues. That's something we generally keep to ourselves. So I thought it would be appropriate to discuss this topic in a public forum so that we can possibly help a lot of you guys who might be dealing with some of the grief that I am. And maybe my cousin can speak to it from the black woman perspective. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't feel like there's any way to do it except for, like, just talking about it and, like, dealing with things. Like, it's definitely nothing that you want to get used to. It's really hard. I think, like, every day, like, you'll have something that reminds you of that person, especially when it's a loss. I feel like over time it actually progresses to get even worse. Because it's just like you constantly are reminded of that person. And I don't know like how you could possibly heal without talking through it with someone. See, now this is where I'll kind of disagree from my personal experience. I, for me personally, I experienced it where the closer I was to the event where my mother passing, the harder it was for me. And over time, it's gotten progressively easier. I wouldn't even want to say easier, but I've become more used to the idea that, hey, my mother's no longer here and I have to move on in the world without her. Can we just like talk about like that actual day? Like I thought like I was being prince because first of all, you were the person that told me I was was leaving work on a Saturday driving Mind you, Larry never calls me, really. Like, he'll text me, but he's really not a phone person. And he called me, and I picked it up on my Bluetooth. And just, I feel like it was so traumatic, just, like, everything. Like, I'll never, ever forget that. And you were just, like, screaming, and you're like, my mom is dead. And I was literally about to crash. Like, I was... In my car on the freeway. And here's the thing. I think that's somewhat of a normal reaction. So, like, if I can take you guys back. Let me take you guys back. I love you guys. I feel like your family. Let's let's get in that vehicle and let's drive back to a very troubling time for me. But I feel like me personally. So, I was at my grandma's house because we had just lost my grandmother, right? And my dad was, you know, at my mom, my grandmother's funeral. In Louisiana. In Louisiana. Yes. Thank you for that clarification. So, we were just at my grandma's funeral. And then I was talking to my cousins. We were chopping it up. We, you know, we were having conversations. You know how when, when you haven't seen your cousins in forever, you guys get together. Oh, and, and then also say that Aunt Jerry, she was actually in the hospital like a yes. few weeks before. Yes. I was so we knew she was in the hospital. Yeah. So like I knew my mom was sick. Like I knew she had gotten COVID. I knew she had uh, went into cardiac arrest. So I knew my mom was very sick to the extent, you know, varying degrees. Like some days she would have good days. Other days she would have bad days. A lot of you guys know how that goes. 
But so I was with my cousins and I was talking and we were talking about something. We had just went to my grandmother's funeral. We went back to our house to eat. You know how black folks do. You know, after the funeral, you got to get something to eat. And then my dad sent my brother to come get me and say, hey, we need to come to the back room and I need to talk to you about something. And then at first I thought it was random, but it seems like after I took my first three steps, I knew exactly what it was. Like my dad didn't even have to speak a word to me. After I took my first three steps, I knew it was about my mom. I knew at that time it was about my mom. Did so, he get like a phone call or something? Did you see him get the phone no, call? No, I didn't see anything. I just knew. Like, you know how you just got that intuition? You just get that feeling? A feeling came over to me like after the first three steps and I knew it was having to do with my mom. Like, I didn't know if she got, because at first, let me let me go back just a little bit. She was in a, a coma. So I thought it was either she got out the coma or she died. Like I felt like those were the two things that she that they were wanting to tell me because we were going in the back room for some reason and we were around family. So I get to the back room and my dad tells me, hey, your mom died. And that's for, like how he said it. Yeah, like it's to be honest with you, I can't even pull on the exact words that he said. That's just like what you Yeah, heard. but that at the end of the day, that was the calculation that came in my head is that my mom was normal. I don't know if he said, hey, your mom's died. I don't know if he said, Jerry. I don't know what he said. I don't know if he said your mom didn't make it. Like at that point, like that part is a blur. But that sentiment, that feeling of knowing that my mom was no longer going to be there, that's what I felt in the immediacy. I knew that at that point that my mom was no longer there. And I knew that that was hard as fuck to deal with. I think just like the whole situation too, like we hadn't seen her for weeks. She's in the hospital because of stupid fucking COVID bullshit. You can't even see your family members. And the only way to communicate is through like doctors and nurses in the hospital. So these people that are complete strangers, you're trusting this information that they're relying to you. So I think it was the day before I had spoke to my mom because at this point, like, your your mother, she was just, like, completely, like, unresponsive, like, or just not, like, having any movement or anything. So she yeah. didn't, she wasn't able to text us or communicate with us herself personally. But then, like, I spoke to my mom and they're like, oh, yeah, like, she's doing really better. Like, they said that she's doing good today, blah, 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 blah. The next day when you called me, I was freaking out. I think, too, it's so hard how everyone reacted. Like, you had never been, like, that, like, emotional and, like, irate and, like, emotional and just, like, dramatic with me. And then after I got off the phone with you and I called my mom and I was just, like, in tears, still in the car on the freeway, and I was, like mom, like, you said that she was okay. And, like, how my mom was, like, hysterical, like, just everything and, like... See, I never knew that. I, I never knew Auntie Ollie's reaction. Cause yeah, Because I, I knew she already like, knew, so that was the one person I hadn't my, called yet. Like, my mom was just, like... I just knew she was going to come out of the hospital. Like, I knew, like, I just knew she was going to be okay. Like, I've never... Like, my mom always has it together all the time, so that was just, like, a lot... And she was just like, I should, I just knew it. And then I was like, I just want to come home because, like, I just felt like she wasn't even going to, like, 
just be okay. And and for the listeners out there, let me kind of set the table. So my mom was the type of person, she had already been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. In reality, she had stage three, but the, her initial diagnosis was stage four. And then she had beat that and overcome that. And so like, she was the type of person that was just tough as nails. She, she was a lawyer. She was a, a, after being a teen mom, she had become she a lawyer. Yeah. She broke both of her ankles. Like she had been, staring death in the eyes so many times and overcome it that you can't really fault us for thinking to ourselves, okay, she'll overcome this. That's where my mom's sentiment was. Like yeah. she just knew. And then like, you have to understand no the relationship between my mom and her sisters. Like my mom and her or sisters. My mom specifically. Exactly. And especially her mom. Because they are so close as sisters just in general. But my mom was never really the touchy-feely type. And because she worked so hard, there wasn't times where she could do like lunches and all these other things. So like her mom, my cousin's mom is like like a second mom. She's like a surrogate mother to me. That's why we're like so close. Yeah. We just all like grew up together, literally. Exactly. Like one family. So it's like... It's never. Uh, it was never a situation where like, oh, that's my child, that's your child. There's literally people to this day who think her mom is my mom, just because we may have been in church and we were always together or whatever. That's so. That's the the nature of the relationship. So we have all this loss in the family. I have me losing my mom. I have you know our aunt losing her sister but not you guys you we know how it is when you have multiple brothers and sisters sometimes there's one that you're closer to that was her, the nature of her of, of like everyone else was just like kind of distant yeah of our parents and then we had her who was going into the same field of study as my mom being in the legal field and my and was mom like, was kind of mentoring her I literally just started like I didn't do anything yeah yeah it was, like it's so fucking not fair. It was so brand new. So we all had this tremendous amount of trauma. So that, like, just to kind of fast forward to where we are now, and I just thought to myself, I wasn't super comfortable talking about the pain that I was feeling as a black man. Because I think as black men specifically, and that's the only perspective I can speak to, and she could speak to the uh, perspective of the black woman, I feel like we are naturally taught to not show emotion, not to show we sad. And a lot of people or might... that, like, it's a sign of weakness. Exactly. And a lot of might be thinking, like, oh, my God, that's your mom. Like, everybody can understand you crying about your mom. But even then, like, there's certain people that I, I was like, shit, like, I'm going to cry in front of because I can't hold it back and I can feel comfortable crying. And the crying. whole process is, like, torture. It is. Literally, like, I came straight here. I got on a flight and I came to Vegas. You guys were here the next day. But... That night, like, it was like my mom's like, okay, looking at coffins. We need to send her to a mortuary. Someone get on the phone and do this and do that. And it's like, when the fuck can you process this shit? No, that, that's a super fair question. And like I said, like, I always, like, my grandfather used to tell me, the sun, the sun don't stop for anybody. So it's like, on top of dealing with the trauma of my mom, I'm still a law student. So I'm still in law school. And like my finals aren't going to stop. All the various things that I have that are coming up and my obligations that I have aren't going to stop because my mom died. So it was like, I have this incredible trauma. I have this, you know, earth shattering event that has taken place. And then I have all these other obligations that I need to meet. And I need to do so in a fashion where I can still protect the, the black image that 
we have as black men that we are strong, that we are unbothered. So to the people who even knew my mom had passed, I had to say, hey, I'm doing well. Even when I thought I was doing well or not thinking that I was doing so well, regardless of how I was actually feeling on the spectrum, that is how I had to present myself. But you did not have to present yourself that way. And, like, you don't. And, like, I always, like, well, I definitely was, like, keeping my tabs, even just, like, leading after the funeral. I'm, like, definitely calling and checking on you, checking on Uncle Peter. I talk to my mom every day. I feel like that's just, like, um, a big, huge, like, um, accountability that I have to fulfill for everyone. And then talking to Peter, and especially with you guys, because you guys don't say much. And I'm like, okay, well, like, what's going on? Like, talk to me. And it's like, you don't get anything. But I think, like, you have to, like, say it out loud. Or even I feel like us, like, podcasting is, like, kind of like a therapy, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, like, ha- like how's, like, your dad? Here's the thing. And it's funny you ask that. Because I feel like a lot of my grief centers off of me naturally worrying and wanting to be a caretaker for my dad because um for me personally I've always and I've and I've talked to you about this before but I've always felt like naturally I expected that there was going to be a time that I was going to be on this earth without my mother just because you know she's my mom she's so much older than I so like naturally she's going to pass one day and then I'm going to have to press on and move forward so like and although it was way too soon my mother was only 65 I knew that that time would come. So to a certain extent, I was okay with it. What I wasn't super prepared for, and I never really prepared myself for, was dealing with the aftermath of the surviving parent. And having my dad here without my mom has been the most traumatic experience of it all. Because especially with my dad being older than my mom, only by five years, but still being older, I think there's the expectation that, hey... I'm either going to die first or I'm going to die so close that, you know, the amount of time that I'm on earth without you won't be that significant. However, since, you know, um, my mom left so left us so early, there was that natural feeling of there might be so many more years that I have left and I don't have your mom and I don't want to move on and all this other thing. So me still really soon. Exactly. So me, and I don't know if this is genuinely how I feel, which I believe it's genuinely how I feel or just me being raised as a black man in society. But my natural worry came to be about my father, not even about my brothers who I'm very close to and very worried about, but I became immediately are worried about my father and how he was going to deal about the trauma because that's the thing as black men i think as black men and i don't want to have this conversation be exclusively about my trauma but i want it to be more so about the trauma of black people as a whole as a black man i think it's naturally okay for us to worry about others but when it comes to worried about ourselves it looks as if we're weak it looks as if we're not you know living up to the to the role and the duty of the black man. So for me, it's very easy for me to worry about my father. It becomes less easy for me to worry about myself. Luckily, or maybe unluckily, my dad is also the same way. So my dad won't say, oh, I'm 
I'm sad or something like that. But he'll constantly be in worry about myself and my brother. I was just going to say, do you think that you guys are using each other as an excuse? And like really what it is is that you are very sad and you're hurt, but you're using that other person as the concern. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I think that is certainly a discussion that needs to be had. I think because you're like, I'm done. Like, I've healed. I'm over it. But I'm concerned about my father. Like, is that an excuse? See, here's the thing. I think that's a realistic perspective to have. Now, because I'm me and I can only deal with the emotions that I have, I genuinely believe that I've become come to grips with it and I'm okay with it. And that I genuinely believe that my primary concern is my father. But realistically, on a subconscious level, can it be like, I'm only okay expressing the hurt that I have for myself personally in the eyes of I'm sad for my dad. That is perfectly logical and that is perfectly realistic. I don't think that's a case, but it's certainly, it's certainly plausible. And, and as black people as a society, especially as the black man, as you as the black woman, can you fault the black man that that's the idea that of masculinity that he has, that he has to, to, to present to the world? Can you fault that? No, but I mean, like, maybe I feel like I do that, too, because I'm over here, like, concerned about, like, you guys, because that's, like, your mother and my mom and her sister and my uncle, because that's his wife, but then, like, I find myself getting, like, angry at, like, little shit, like, even when I'm at work and because I'm around attorneys all day and I'm like, oh, my God, you guys fucking suck. You're so weak. Like, you guys don't want to be aggressive and, like, because I knew someone who was all those things and I'm just, like, everybody here is fucking whack. And I'm just, like, thinking about you, but, like, too, that makes me sad. So, like, maybe I'm using everyone else around me as an excuse, but I still have, like, my own issues. I mean... It's like pointing the blame, pointing the blame, but, like, when do you take care of you? But maybe, maybe we've jumped into another discussion. Maybe the idea of the black woman and how she deals with pain is more similar to the black man than we think. Maybe you guys have been brought up in a certain way. And like I said, I can't speak to your experience and only you can. But has the black woman been brought up in such a way in America as to think I can't show that I'm hurt because it's a sign of weakness as well? Because I know me personally as a black man, I've certainly been brought up that way. But is that also your experience? Um, yeah, maybe. I even feel like when there were times that I was like really sad and stuff and I was like, oh, I'm so sad. Like I'm depressed. My mom like would just be like, well, get over it. Like you can't be depressed. Like what you depressed about kind of thing. It was something that was like taboo. Like you can't really sit there and talk to it about your parents because it was like you better move on with life kind of thing. You know what? And, and to be honest with you, although I think it works to our, uh, our detriment as black people, I can't really fault us for having that kind of opinion because historically, if you think about slavery or segregation or just how we've been subjugated to a lower class within society, that's really how you have to deal with it. If you If you spend too much time lamenting on the fact that you're not treated in a certain way that you should be, it almost works against you to actually fighting for a position where you actually deserve to be. Mm. So, so many times when you have to deal with such an unfair reality, the only, 
the only medicine for that reality is to say, well, you know, fuck it, essentially. Excuse my friends, but fuck it. And this is the cards that I was dealt, and I'm going to play my hand the best way that I can. That is true. Like, you don't have no other choice. Exactly. You don't. Because, like, what's, what's the alternative? It's like, okay, I say my situation is unfair, right? Then somebody else agrees. Yeah, somebody else agrees. Your situation is unfair. What have I gained by me understanding my situation is unfair and somebody else understanding my situation is unfair? I really haven't progressed in any substantial way by simply believing that, you know, something has been done to me that I can't control. Yeah, and then how do you, I don't know, how do you, like, so this is what I'm thinking about in my mind, especially like just the era that we're in right now, like racism is a huge issue, and it's like we are always speaking about how this isn't fair and how we're not treated right, and we just want people to see that, but how does that change? I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually feel like a lot of our energy is misplaced in that like, hey, like we you always see like people say we do X, Y and Z to bring awareness. Um, It's 2020. If people don't know black people are treated differently, they can't be helped. Like and they just don't want to. Exactly. So. Like for for us to say we're doing X, Y, and Z to raise awareness to me is a it's an it's an exercise in futility. It's not going to benefit us moving forward. However, I think what does move us forward is coming together and thinking about concrete plans that move us forward. So if we're stuck in the idea that this is unfair, let other people see us unfair, that it's unfair, I think we'll always be kind of pedaling backwards because that's an argument we should have already won. And and that's not to say that we should not be patient in people's understanding of understanding our struggle. Because I always say like, although we've been fighting this for 400 years, no one person is 400 years old. And each time when there's new people, there needs to be new information. However, if you are doing something with the sole purpose of raising awareness, I think that is an exercise in futility. And we need to start moving towards concrete agendas as far as how we can better our situation and not just saying, hey, our situation is unfair. Let me repost this so people can see it. That's just what I think of because I'm like, what is that doing actually? No, and very fair. It's like it's like we we've we this is like we're raising awareness, but the awareness is already to the highest. Point. Exactly. So it's like okay, so we've had George Floyd, we have Philando Castile, we've had Trayvon Martin, we have Breonna Taylor. The names go on, and I don't want to miss anybody, but Freddie Gray, what have you, whether it be police brutality or what have you. We've had so many incidents. So if we're just saying like, hey, there's something happening where people commit crimes against the black community and then they're not held to account. If that's our sole mission, if we're still fighting that battle, I'm sorry. It, we're, it's a problem. Because mm -hmm. that should have that been understood by now. It should be understood that black people are treated 
differently. Now, even if people like, you'll get some people who are like, okay, black people are treated differently, but they should. Or black people are treated differently, but they shouldn't. If they don't even understand that black people are treated differently. There are people that don't. They're just like, did you, do you feel, do you experience racism? Someone asked my friend that the other day. Well, and, and, <laughs> have you ever experienced? They think like it does not exist like it does. In their defense, though, a lot of that is on the black community. And what I mean that is there's always a sucker for hire who's waiting to be licked. There's always a person in the black community who's willing to say we're in a post-racial society, that they don't experience racism, that it's a figment of our imaginations, that the media has concocted this ideal of racism. And when you get that black person to say that, for the white person who doesn't experience the everyday interactions with black people, they're going to see, well, Candace Owens... I was think, just going to say, yeah, just say her name. Candace Owens doesn't think racism exists. Or this person doesn't... Or Little Wayne doesn't think racism exists. Therefore, these other people... What's are the Kentucky just, governor? Yeah, or or you mean the lieutenant governor or the Uh, attorney general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like these other people say racism doesn't exist, so that must mean that the other ones are making it up. You know what I'm saying? And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, essentially. They don't think they live in uh, uh, an environment where racism persists, and then they get a black person to confirm that belief by saying racism doesn't exist. So it just boom, it's fake news. Yeah, so boom. You know, when all these other evidence of, you know, racism take place it's like oh well there either must be a hidden story that they're not hearing or it's that it's completely a made-up situation yeah it's so weird but like even that is another just piece to the puzzle on why people can't heal properly like it's all those things just tied into one like you're dealing with so many issues like Literally, it's like the world is shooting at you all the time. It's you're dealing with so many different issues, like it's just like you have to go on. Like, how can you heal from this when you haven't even healed from this? Or you have to deal with this, you have this in your workplace, this in your love life, this in like your professional career, like this in school, like it's so many different areas. It's like, how can you ever be okay? I mean, that's certainly a fair discussion to have. I mean, I don't know. And we say, how can you ever be okay? I don't even know. The real question is, are we ever okay? No. And because I say as black people, historically into present day, we've always had to been able to a certain degree, be able to function in a state of not okayness. And You're I'm not okay, but say- you move forward. I'm learning to say that. I'm always like, no, today I'm not okay. Like, it's not a good day. Like, I'm just not feeling life. And it's not like, oh, I want to die. It's just like, that is my real authentic answer. Like, I'm just not even feeling this, like, throw. Honestly, I felt like that a lot of days this year. Like, throw the fucking year away. And, like, because not, like, yes. Your mother was like the huge, that was like the first death death that we've experienced, really. We've had other deaths in our family. Like Our other aunt died earlier this year as well. Aunt Sherry. Oh, yes. Very, very true. Like, it was like a couple months before that. Your uncle died. Your grandma died. But it's My just like. My grandpa died, which was big for me. It's just freaking ridiculous. This year is wild. 
And here's the thing. And we say this, like we could spitball, we could just talk about grief in general. But the the idea of the podcast is how do we move forward? How do we, so like we like to talk about how do you date as a black person in 2020? How do we do this? So how do we move forward? And although we may not be providing concrete details as so far, I think one major thing is to talk about it. Talk about it. Because I feel like as black people, especially as black men, which is the only perspective that I'm willing to discuss is because it's the only uh, perspective. Find your outlet. Yeah, the perspective that I have firsthand knowledge of. Like I know me personally, when I'm upset, I'll go lift weights. I'll go do this. I'll go do that. But talking about it can be so therapeutic. And as we as a community, we're so afraid to talk about these issues that we feel like, well, hey, if we if I talk about it, I'll be viewed as weak. I'll be viewed as, you need somebody. And like I said, it doesn't have to be everybody and it shouldn't be everybody. But you need somebody where you can go to and say, I'm fucked up about X, Y and Z today. Let me just talk about it. And they might not have an answer for it, but they might just be in here. And then I've even done like actual therapy. Like I feel like telling a stranger who has who's not going to pass any judgment on you, doesn't know anything is so therapeutic. It's not like they're going to give you advice or anything. It's just them listening and then you working your way through what is going to be best for you. Also, like I have friends that I vent to. I mean, I don't ever tell anyone the whole story. Because you got to be careful somebody, with them friends. You got you never know if you're a friend like, or friend. I do have a couple people that I trust wholeheartedly. But it's like you just tell them a little bit like, cool. And then you can go on about your day. Or if you need to just like go in your bathroom and like scream. Or whatever you do. If you write. If you sing, run. Just you have to release that energy. Yeah. I feel it. And that's the main thing that we want to convey is that, and me personally, like I said, that's traumatic of an experience that I've had with the loss of my mother. Talking about it has always made me feel better. And a lot of times the people I talk to are my brothers because they, they're feeling the exact same way. They also have lost a mother, of you course, because, talk to me? because I talk to you as well, but I'm saying just in, in general, a lot of times you speak to the people who know exactly how you feel. Cause a lot of times people say, Oh, like I understand. And they may not, or they may like, cause even if you lost a, 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 a parent doesn't mean you know how somebody else who's lost that parent is also feeling like I feel like we naturally say, "Oh, I know how you feel," just because I too have lost a parent. Yeah, you don't fucking know how. Yeah, I feel. but you don't know the nature of the relationship. Maybe somebody was a single mother, and that's the only parent they've had. Versus maybe you came from a two parent household, and you, I like me personally, I came from a two parent household. Or so, if you didn't really know your mom like that, exactly, she was a distant mom, and exactly. So me personally, I never. Adopt the language of I know how you feel. I've now lost my mother. I will never go to somebody else who has lost their mother and be like, oh, I know how you felt because I lost my mother too. Because I don't. I don't know the nature of their relationship. They could have been, you know, my mom and I weren't the type of people who went shopping together or did whatever was your activities that you did, you know, when you had time off together. Like that wasn't the nature of our relationship. I cared for her deeply. I loved my mom tremendously but the the relationship i had with my mom differs from the relationship my my cousin and my aunt have together you know what i'm saying so if she lost her mom i wouldn't go well i know how you feel because you've lost your mom because it's a different relationship and i feel like when you lose a person it makes you gain different respect for other people that have already lost the person because 
I know right after like my aunt passed away, one of my friends who's now in California, we were roommates in college. She lost her mother while she was in college. And I'm like, girl, how in the fuck did you like I didn't even understand the extent or I have a a girlfriend um, from law school who had lost her mom in law school. And I'm like, whoa, I can't even fucking imagine like what anyone like what you're feeling and i felt like i wasn't a good friend to them and here's the thing i'll even say that there's levels to this shit because i i know you love my mom and you're extremely close to my mom but that's different than your mom like like yeah. as much as you love my mom and as long as much I as you know, care for my mom like, like i don't know how that can't even that's a, that's a different thing and like i said even me losing my mom will differ between you losing your mom Mm -hmm. just because of the nature of the relationship. And I say that to only say this, that I think we've become accustomed to be like, well, you lost a mom, I lost a mom, that's the same, and I understand. And And I don't think that's the same. No, you don't know the extent because then you have like your brothers and like your dad and stuff, and it's like me and my mom. Like, you don't know like how people's dynamic is with that person. Exactly. So it's a lot of like dependability on that person, and then like when they're out of the picture, like that's crucial. Exactly. And and I was talking to her, uh, my cousin about it. I said a lot of the grief that I had, and I've discussed this with you guys as well, is centered around me worrying about my dad. And that's because the nature of my relationship between myself and my mom, and the nature of the relationship between my dad and my mom, are very different relationships. You see what I'm saying? That's very interesting. It's more than I loved her dearly, you loved her dearly, and we both no longer have her. Like, if that's the lens you view it off, I think it's an improper lens. I have to view it as the lens of I loved her dearly, but at one point I expected to be on this earth without her, whereas my dad, being older, he never really, like expected to be here without my mom and then me personally i have to say well i've never been on this planet 27 years without my mother where although he has been on the planet without my mother because there was time he didn't know he's known her for longer than 27 years you see what i'm saying so i only say that to say this i'm not saying that my hurt is more or less i'm saying my hurt is different and acknowledging that is very important when it comes to helping others grieve and not just say, well, wherever I am at in my grief's point, that's where they're going to be at. But you never know what anybody's going through. Exactly. You never know. And you just don't know how people like, and that's so important to treat people well. Exactly. Who the fuck am I to say this? No, you you can definitely say that. But here's the thing. Like that's even like, although my brothers and I are looking at it from a similar perspective, that's not even to assume that we are going to be at the same level of grief because each individual deals with it differently. But just me observing you guys, you're definitely handling it differently. Like you guys have like your different ways of what you're doing. Absolutely. But I mean... This is definitely a difficult time. It's the holidays. It's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. It's definitely not happy to so many people. I mean, it's so hard to get through life, like having to experience a grief, a death, a breakup, um, a heartbreak. Don't put breakup like in there like this to say. It's still grieving. That yeah, but still it, grieving. it ain't the same. But... 
I break up with people all the time. That also is like losing a person or well, whatever, but definitely a death is like the greatest grief. And okay, there's no handbook on how to handle it, but we definitely just want to encourage like everyone to reach out and try to talk to someone. Like if there's someone out there that's dealing with something that's similar to our situation, honestly, I feel like I'm open to having a discussion with you or if you want to comment about it or message me somewhere. Like I think that we should be each other's outlets. Absolutely. Like I said, whatever comfort system that you have, find it. And we just want to let you guys know you're not alone. When you're feeling grief, there's other people feeling grief. And although they might not understand your particular situation, they can provide comfort in this uh, troubling time, especially during the holiday season. And like I said, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in. All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I am Destiny Johnson. I'm Larry Sampson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we said that shit. And we meant that shit.